everybody welcome welcome to your rights at work i'm chris garlock here once again with ed smith all right <laughs> uh grocery giants kroger and albertson recently announced plans to merge in a 25 i said 25 billion dollar takeover deal this would mean they would uh, have a 15 percent share of the u.s grocery market second only to walmart's 27 percent share now kroger said this is a good reason a good thing because it advances their commitment to build a more equitable and sustain. You know what? I can I can't even read their baloney here. Let's just go. Uh, uh, Errol Schweitzer uh, hosts the Checkout podcast. He contributes to Forbes, uh, the, the capitalist tool, believe it or not. <clears throat> you mean the magazine, not me, right? Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> And uh, also, Jonathan Williams uh, works at USCW Local 400. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Glad to be here, as always. Now, Errol, your recent column in uh, Forbes, The Capitalist Tool, was entitled uh, Why a Kroger-Albertson Merger is a Bad Idea. In a nutshell, why? This would give them a $210 billion behemoth that would cover 47 states. You know, for you folks on the East Coast, you may be familiar with Harris Teeter and Acme and Shaw's, um, you know, for folks on the West Coast, Ralph's, Vons, Pavilions, in the middle of the country, King Supers in the Northwest, Fred Meyer, uh, in Texas, uh, Randall's and Tom Thumb, you know, Safeway, um, you know, this would be an immense company and include over 700,000 people, um, you know, 50 manufacturing facilities dozens of brands, dozens of their own store brands. Uh, but it's also in, important to note that it's been really good for these companies during the pandemic. They both extracted windfall profits um, as you know, people started eating at home, cooking at home, buying more stuff at grocery stores, um, comfort yep, foods. Guilty, and, guilty. I was yeah, we all, we all did it. Well, I mean, these, these companies typically work off of really thin margins. But this helped them, you know, really get profitable, particularly in 2021. And then what happened with all these supply chain issues, all that demand caused the supply chains to sort of, you know, you know, collapse and fall and, you know, things got really messed up. We had inflation. And what happened then, these big retailers took additional price on top of the cost increases that they were getting from the cost inflation and made additional huge windfall profits. Um, off of price inflation. Now, this is something that I've documented pretty extensively, looking at what the margin rates are of this company, particularly Kroger. Um, and what did they do with all that extra profit? They made huge billion dollar dividends and buybacks for their shareholders. Let, let, me, let me bring Jonathan in uh, from, from USCW because Jonathan, uh, one of the things they did not do is, is give uh, the people who actually do the work in the stores a nice big fat raise. Am I, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. In fact, they didn't even get him a vote on this decision. <laughs> well, let's not get carried away, brother. <laughs> <laughs> 
So talk a little bit about about this, Jonathan, because you have been fighting. I mean, you know, when when Errol sort of reads off that list, I think it's important for people to understand. You know, people think you know uh, Safeway or Kroger, and they don't understand that you're really just dealing with a handful of companies that are behind all of these sort of brand names that we know and love, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, both cases, uh, Kroger and Albertsons both operate many banners across the country, and here in the D.C. area. You know, we're talking about with Kroger, it's Harris Teeter, and uh, with Albertsons, it's Safeway stores. And our local Safeway stores are unionized um, with our union, UFCW Local 400, whereas the Kroger stores that are operated here under the Harris Teeter banner are non-union. And Kroger is aggressively anti-union in those banners. And so one of the things our members are worried about were this merger to go through is you know you have a Safeway that's union across the street from a Harris Teeter that's non-union. Which store do you think the new jointly merged company will want to continue operating? And it's probably not the one with union wages and union benefits and other you know protections in a union contract. And so we are uh, aggressively opposing this deal. Um, it's also worth noting uh, that this isn't just a merger of to otherwise healthy companies. Um, Cerberus, the private equity firm that controls Albertsons, uh, stands to gain billions of dollars out of this deal. And one one of the ways that they're sort of gaming the system in uh, this merger deal is by paying out a $3.7 billion special dividend on November 7th. And you might have seen that uh, the District of Columbia's Attorney General, Carl Racine, has organized a coalition of attorneys general from across the country, including uh, many Republican uh, attorneys, uh, to call on Albertsons to halt this dividend payment. And why is that? Because if Albertsons empties all of its cash, $4 billion worth of cash, and then goes to the FTC and says, hey, can we merge with Kroger? The FTC is not looking at a company that will survive if it doesn't merge. And so they're gaming the system here. They're trying to force the FTC's hand and remove their ability to enforce antitrust law by guaranteeing that Albertsons would fail if they don't merge with Kroger by essentially extracting billions of dollars in cash. And you know, in the case of Cerberus, the CEO, Steven Feinberg, who controls that company, it personally stands to gain $1 billion from this deal. And so if this merger doesn't happen and this dividend payment does happen, how is Albertsons expected to survive without any cash on hand? How are, you know, when we go to negotiate our next union contract next year, how are we supposed to get any raises for these workers? How are we supposed to get better health coverage? How are we supposed to get anything when there's no cash on hand at Albertsons? And so... This is a complex deal, but it is uh, especially so because of Cerberus's control of Albertsons. Wow. Um, this is Ed Smith and Jonathan. Thank you for that uh, uh, worker analysis and, 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 and analysis from kind of a 5,000 foot. It sounds to me, and maybe I'm oversimplifying, it sounds to me that the, the big winners here are people already who are making, making big buck. Uh, a billion dollars just adding to my uh, bank account uh, at the at the at the expense of the losers, which are the workers, 
it sounds like there'll be a number of not just one or two stores closing, but a number of them across the country. And then the impact on prices of food for the average Joe. Errol, did you want to respond to Jonathan or respond to my comment? No, Jonathan's comments were brilliant. I mean, they were right on. And I'll just add that um, the FTC has actually done studies of mergers to show that mergers drive up prices. Um, and as we've seen, you know, in this inflationary period, the heavily concentrated grocery market, you know, there's 30% less grocery stores than there were a couple decades ago, has just been passing all these price increases on and, you know, writing checks to their shareholders uh, with the additional profit. Um, suppliers will also have a really hard time with this merger because it's much harder to negotiate with a combined behemoth of 5,000 stores in terms of store placement um, and promotions and marketing programs. These are very expensive retailers to work with. One company uh, that I've worked with has said that it costs over a million dollars to launch um, a line of products with Albertsons nationwide. So just imagine if that number of stores is more than double, more than double, they would take this company more than three and a half years, small, small vegetable company, more than three and a half years to make back the return on investment just for launching their products. Um, so there's only a few winners in this and they're spinning it like this would be good cut for uh, consumers because the consolidation of the grocery trade over the last few decades has all been about consumer sovereignty that like, hey, this will be lower prices, more availability, more abundance. But what we've really seen, particularly in the last decade or so, is that the grocery industry has become an on-demand ATM for shareholders, that they're constantly extracting profits from these stores, that you have private equity parasites that use that, that prop up these stores by leveraging debt on the books of these companies. Or in this case, they do these special dividends and wipe out the cash flow, the standing cash reserves, essentially putting Albertsons in the position of having to pursue a chapter 11. So when you look at who this uh, works for, it's a handful of shareholders and investors, and the vast majority of the rest of us are gonna be left holding the bag. And I'll point out that um, both blue collar workers, in-store workers, as well as white collar workers at these companies are highly vulnerable because when they talk about finding synergies, <laughs> that means they're going to lay off a lot of people who have redundant jobs, whether it's in marketing and sales or category management, data and analytics, you know, all the folks behind computer screens and Zoom calls. Well, they're workers, too. And a lot of those positions are overlapping at these two companies. And so that's also how they're going to make additional profit by cutting those expenses as well. So there's a lot of folks who are going to pay for this. Uh, merge Ad, ad admin folks, HR folks. Exactly. Hey, Jonathan, before we get back to Chris, that's a great flyer. ATM, personal ATMs for the uh, for the uh, shareholders. <laughs> you get a nice little picture of an ATM and a, <laughs> and, a, and, a, and, a, and a monopoly banker fat guy taking money out of the ATM and the workers on the other side. Anyway, Chris. Uh, just a couple more minutes before we have to wrap up this segment, but uh, just a reminder, folks, we are talking with Errol Schweitzer from the Checkout Podcast, Jonathan Williams from UFCW Local 400. Uh, Errol, real quick, uh, you point out that a 5,000-store chain in over 48 states would, uh, would really uh, create uh, tremendous purchasing power. Um, do you want to just talk very briefly about that? There's a law in the books called the Robinson-Patman Act that really hasn't been enforced in the last 70 years. Uh, the last time it was effectively enforced was when a small company named A&P, the Great Atlantic <laughs> and Pacific Tea Company, yep, yep, now Chapter them. 11 bankrupt, 
Um, but back in the 30s and 40s was over 12% of the grocery market share. So it was by far the largest grocery chain. And they used the Robinson-Patman Act to essentially break up A&P. And what that act says is you can't use your scale to leverage better deals from suppliers relative to your competitors. Essentially, the enforcement of the lack of enforcement of Robinson-Patman is what gave rise to Walmart. And so we're dealing with that uh, backflow now where Kroger and Albertsons are saying, well, the only way we're going to be able to compete with Walmart is by combining forces. The only way we're going to be able to compete with Amazon is by merging. Well, all this M&A is because Robinson-Patman hasn't been effectively enforced as well. And this is the problem with both labor law in this country and antitrust law. It's a nice to have. It's not treated as a need to have. Exactly. Uh, and Jonathan, uh, just before we wrap up this segment, uh, you guys are doing, uh, and this is related, it's a different one of them, but uh, this has to do with shoppers. You guys, I think it's 445 today. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We're continuing our weekly protests at shoppers stores around the, the Beltway. Uh, UNFI, the parent company that operates shoppers food stores, has been dragging their feet and negotiating a new contract. These folks work through the entire pandemic basically without a new contract, and we are still fighting to get them uh, the contract that they deserve. And so we're holding a weekly protest this afternoon at the Shoppers in Dumfries. Uh, so yeah, we've got that on our website, dclabor.org. Click on calendar, and you always find the latest, including today's demo. Uh, make sure you guys show up uh, on time for for local 400s rallies. They don't they don't run them on the usual union time. Uh, they actually, you know, if it's a 4:45, they'll actually do it at 4:45, right, Jonathan? Absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're giving the rest of us a bad name, brother. <laughs> Yeah, we're on the clock here. Oh, that's right. That's right. All right. Jonathan Williams, Errol Schweitzer, thank you so much for being with us. We'll be following both of these. I'm sure you'll be back on to keep us posted, all right? Thanks for having me. Take care. Errol Schweitzer is the host of the Checkout Podcast. You definitely want to check out the Checkout Podcast. Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's on uh, your platforms everywhere. And uh, we will have a link to his story, why a Kroger-Albertson's merger is a bad idea. Ed Smith, uh, quite quite a bunch of stories today about war and the workers. No, I no, 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 no. You should be you should be inspired, man. You should be inspired. Pass, pass, a, pass a law. You work these hundreds of hours <laughs> to pass a law. Nah, the hell with it. We're just going to violate it, and nothing's going to happen. Now, obviously, you know that uh, we will continue to fight. But yeah, pretty pretty uh, difficult stuff to talk about today. Well, I will tell you the thing that amazes me, you know, I, I, the, the fighting, you know, the, the the fact that every time we win, they figure out a way that's like, uh, we'll move that goalpost or uh, we're not going to force mm-hmm. out law or in fact, we're going to overrule. That's not what bothers me so much because that's always been the way it is. I've read my right. labor history. What, what bothers me is when they tell us, uh, you know, less competition is going to be good for you, right? Uh, paying workers more is going to be bad for the workers. And I'm like, I understood when you try and steal the wind from us. That makes sense. But why are you telling me stuff <laughs> that makes no sense at all and expecting the me big to lie. It. It's like the big lie. Like I, if I say it enough, if I say it's cloudy out enough. And it's cloudy. A lot a lot of people are going to believe me and not, not bother me, looking brother, out not the window. Me. <laughs> well, keep looking out the window, I guess, as, as we, as, you know, what a, uh, you know, sunlight, uh, I forget, man. Ah, 
I forget. Right, we're we're, we're going to get out on, we're, speaking of which, we're going to get out on time for a change, so they have to cut us <laughs> off. You have been listening to Your Rights to Work with Chris, with Ed. We will be back next week, same time, same channel, right here on WPFW. Uh, Thanks, okay. as always, to Mighty Michael Nacella, keeping us straight and narrow here on the radio. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all next week. All right. Peace, brother. This is a public service announcement with Git